Yo, hallelujah. Indeed, we serve a very big God. He's greater than we can imagine or think of. You can't equate him to anything. You can't describe him. He is God. Hallelujah. Just look into your, the face of your brother and welcome him once again to the house of the Lord. Oh, tell him some good things. Tell him or hear some good things. Yes. Last week we started looking, diving deep into the a topic which I dubbed the life of the church. And we began with the church. And today we're going to continue from where we ended and then we'll pray. So we'll go to Matthew chapter 16 verse 13. That is our main text. 16. Verse 13 to 20. When Jesus came unto the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John, the Baptist, some Elijah, and others, others also say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the key of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on it, will be lost in heaven. Let's say amen to the reading of the word of God. Last week, we made ourselves to understand that Peter's confession indicates the destiny of a Christian. And not only destiny, it also indicates the conviction and trust that one has in his goal, the Christ. And lastly, it also indicates the message that he will propagate. We spoke lengthy on this topic. And this morning, I'm continuing for where we left. There's one thing I want you to understand, I want us to understand, is that the church 
is the will and the purpose of God. Even before God created the world, he knew that he will be creating a church. So the church is the will and the purpose of God. So all of us sitting here, we are here because of God's purpose. You don't say amen to that. It's because of God's purpose that I'm here. It's because of God's purpose. It's because of God's will that I'm here. It's not my will. It's not my purpose. Jesus said, it is he who calls us. We didn't call ourselves. So if you are fortunate to be a Christian, belonging to the church of God, then you might see it as a great privilege that the purpose of God has been fulfilled in your life. So the church is the purpose of God, is the will of God. The church is not a parenthetical uh, idea. These are revolution. These people, they claim that the church came as a result of the Jewish denying Jesus. But it's not so. The church came as a result of God's purpose. Hallelujah. So whether the Jews believe or do not, it was the purpose of God that one day through Christ Jesus, he will create his own church, his own nation, his own ethnic group, his own people. So as we are here, we are the people of God. And I made us to understand that the quotation they do stand on is John chapter 1 verse 11 to 12. He came to his own, but his own received him not. But as many that received him, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. This is what those who are having this idea of parenthetical revelation, this is what they have. So they think that uh, the Gentiles, we, we are not part. We became part because of the denier of the Jewish, but it's not so. It was in the mind of God already. And the one argument that I want to raise is that before we were Gentiles or Jews or Israel, God has already purpose in his mind. We didn't, we didn't have, since creation, we didn't have any called Jews. But what I know is that we have Gentiles. Hallelujah. And Abraham himself was called from a Gentile nation, Chaldeans. He was called from the people of Chaldeans, uh, specifically Ur, Ur. If you read Genesis chapter 11, verse 28, it will tell you that Terah, his father, hails from that place. So it means that even Abraham, who became the father of all those who will follow suit, was not a Jew, was a Gentile. But then he responded to the call of God as all of us has also responded to the call. So if you read James chapter 2 verse 23, it says that, and the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God. And it was accredited unto him righteousness and was and became the friend of God and became the friend of God. That same 
coat can also be seen in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. And we all knew that after God called Abraham and went to the place that God showed him, we shouldn't forget that he promised that go to a land that I will show you and out of you I will bless you and all the nations shall be blessed. And the blessing that God was pronouncing was the result of us here. So he promised him Isaac. But we realize that it isn't Isaac alone that came out of the loins of Abraham. Isaac came and what? Ishmael also came. They all came from the loins. So it got to a time when the birth of Isaac was delaying, God interceded that if possible, if there need be, the blessing should go to Ishmael. But God said, no, that is not my plan. I have a plan. And the pl plan that I have is that I have a choice. And the choice is not Ishmael. The choice is what? Isaac. Though these two were coming from Abraham, but Isaac became the preferred choice. Hallelujah. Isaac became the preferred choice of God. Though from the same roots, from the same father, from the same biological blood, but yet Isaac became the choice. Hallelujah. Also, out of Isaac, we also saw Esau and Jacob. We saw Esau and Jacob, and we know that Esau is the leader, is the early one. And in all cultures and in all nations or tribes, it is the firstborn male that inherits the father, isn't it? So if there is some blessing, then it must go to Esau. But in the choice of God, God chose Jacob, not Esau. So the promised line was moving. So the question is, Ishmael and Esau, what are they? The question, that is the question I want to ask. So it means that if Isaac became the preferred choice and Jacob the preferred choice, and out of Jacob we had a 12 tribe, and they were considered to be Jews, or the people that God have chosen to uh, be the herald of salvation, then the question is, what about Ishmael? What about Esau? Gentiles. <laughs> so out of one person, we are having two things. People of the promise, and then people consider Gentiles. Isn't it? Bishop, Matthew, like all of us, we are crushed. But thanks be to God that in the mind of God, God was having these two in mind. That there will come a time I will emerge both the Jew and the Gentile. God was having that plan. So salvation is not solely for the Jews. You can be a Jew, yet go to hell. For the fact that you are a Jew doesn't mean that heaven is automatic for you. 
No. There is only one condition. The condition is your acceptance of Christ Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. Without it, you can comb all the synagogues in Israel, pray for the God of Moses, the God of Elijah, yet you go to hell. I hope you're understanding me. Yes. So ours is not a biological means. Those of the promise inheritance ceases to be a biological means. But what? A spiritual means. God in his own wisdom had decided to have a people of his own. If you read Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 to 29 for it says for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You are all sons. There is not any discrimination there. There is no clause to, the, the, to suggest that it's only Jews. But it says that we are all sons. Somebody say sons. So even if you are female here, we convert you into sons. The reason that is the sons that inherit. And the reason why women are not mostly mentioned is that in the Jewish culture, excuse me, say my mothers, they, they don't regard women much. So everything is about sons. Everything is about fathers. The mothers and daughters are not all that mentioned. But you are also part of that inclusive. Hallelujah. So we all became what? Sons of God through faith in whom? Christ Jesus. So it is when one becomes, one uh, begin to believe and accept Jesus Christ as the Lord is personal savior that he becomes part of this church. You cannot be part of the church of God universal if you do not believe in Christ Jesus. And the 27 says that for as many of you as were baptized into Christ so now Christ is the what is the focus. Into Christ have put on Christ. So as we are here, you are hidden in Christ. And I'm also hidden in Christ. And Christ is in us. So I'm walking around. But then I, I have Christ on me. You have Christ on you. That anointed one, you are hidden in him. We have put on Christ. And the 28 says that there is neither Jew nor Greek. Whether a Gentile or a Jew, that doesn't matter at all. What matters is those who have put on Christ. That is all that matters. So if you are here and you are a Christian and you believe in Christ Jesus, you should be glad that you have Christ. Christ you need. You need nothing else. There is neither slave nor free. It means that in the church, in the house of God, there is no discrimination. 
You are not accepted because you are Ogboro. And you are not rejected because, oh, that guy, he's a boy boy in the house. You are not rejected because you are a gate man. You are not rejected because of, uh, you are the cook. You are not accepted because you are the president. No. There is neither slave nor free. Either you are a slave or free. What matters is Christ. You can be a free man, but yet not go to heaven. And one can be a slave, but go to heaven. All is about Christ. I like Pen TV, their logo. It's, a, it's all about Jesus. It's all about what? Jesus Christ. And also there is neither male nor female. In the dictionary of the Jews, they try to distinguish between male and female to accord respect. But in this church, whether in the church universal that God is creating for himself, whether you are a male or female, you are regarded. Hallelujah. You are inclusive in the equation of our Lord Jesus Christ. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So if God is looking at the church, he's not seeing us divided. He's not seeing the church that these are the elders, these are the pastors, these are the members, these are the deacons. He sees one people, one body, people who are washed with the blood of Jesus. He sees us all as one. Though he knows the individual that constitutes the church. He sees us as one. So if you are here, or we, we try to bring division, then that is not the thought of God. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And the 29 says that, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. If you are Christ, that is, if you are for Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Hallelujah. And hence according to the promise. Hence according to the promise. What was the promise given to Abraham? Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 to 3. He said that I will bless you and out of you shall come nations. Hallelujah. And you shall be a blessing to the entire world. This is the fulfillment. The church is the fulfillment of that promise that has been given to Abraham. And I'm proud to say that, thank God that you are one of the promise. So when you are there, be happy that God has not forgotten about you and that in his calculation and mathematics, he has matched us together. And sadly enough, if you go to Israel, they themselves, they don't want to hear about Jesus. So I doubt the kind of church God would have been building out of Israel. I, I learned the percentage of Christians there is about 0.02%. All of them, they are into their Judaism, 
and what of you? But then, thank God that we are part of the equation. Hallelujah. We became the seed of Abraham, not by biological means, but by two things. It's by faith and righteousness through Christ. It is by our faith. So the faith that we profess is very, very precious and uh, variable in the sight of God. It is by faith. Abraham too was called by faith. And we were also called by what? Faith. Not by our deeds as it is with the Jews. For them still, they thought that it's by their deeds that they will be saved. No, it's not by your deeds. It's by your faith and righteousness. The righteousness over there is a bequeathed one. It's something that Jesus has given to us as a result of what? Our faith. So as we are seated here, we are all righteous. You are not happy. I say we are all righteous. God is not looking at you. He is looking at Christ, which is on you. So Christ has become our means of righteousness. He has become our righteousness. The Lord, our righteousness. He has become our righteousness. So wherever we go, know that you carry this righteous man on you. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says that, I'm not reading all, but the B part. He said he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Before the world was created, we were chosen. It isn't when you were born. Before God began to design the world, to see where he would place the sea, the mountains, the uh, trees, and uh, 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 what to do with the animals and the birds, you were in the plan of God already. We were chosen. It isn't now. We were chosen already before the creation of the world. How gladly it is to know that when God was creating the world, he decided that out of that two billion spent, mine, I should be part of that creation. And not just a mere creation, but a creation who uh, those who are chosen to become his own people before the creation of the world. Have you thought of it? That you could be in a family, you, you are saved, but others will not. Though you have preached the same message that was preached to you and you believe, it's the same message that is preached to them, but then they were in part of the equation. It's like Isaac. And Ishmael. It's like Jacob and what? Esau. That you cannot question God about it. That why is it so? God knows his own. As we are, God knows us. He knows us that we can think of. He knows us that what you can imagine about he knowing you. He knows you very, very well. Hallelujah. If you read... First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It said that you are a chosen race. In some version, it says a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Now God has gotten a holy nation of his, and we are that holy nation. We are nation in nations. 
nation within nation. God is having his own nation in the various nations and continents around. We are the continent of God. The church of God is the continent of God. That is why the world is still surviving. But one day when God, through his son Jesus Christ, shall appear and the trumpet will sound and the church will be raptured, the Bible says that there will be chaos on the earth. The reason why the earth is this, it is as it is, is because of the church. That shows how powerful you are. And he said you are a royal priesthood, a royal and then priest. It's two functions. The royalty there shows your authority as a church. Hallelujah. It shows your authority. It shows how powerful the church is. It shows how God respects the church. And the priesthood represents our service unto him. So as a church, we've been given authority and we've been given responsibility. Hallelujah. We have dual function to play on earth. That is to take dominion. That is why he told Peter, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loose in heaven. We have authority to, de to, deter uh, to, deter uh, to, what? to determine one's salvation. Hallelujah. Even for one to be saved, it takes the church. The Bible made us understand that when we forgive the sin of somebody, that sin shall be forgiven. Hallelujah. And Jesus said he's making us an ambassador for him. An ambassador for him. To reconcile the world to himself. God will no more come to this earth or send anybody to come and reconcile the, 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 the world again. Jesus has come to share his blood. He has done it. Finito. That has been done spiritually. But the work of reconciliation, that authority is given to the church. That when we preach the gospel to the lost and he accepts the message and we say your sins is forgiven, God say yes sir, because of my church I have responded. That shows how powerful you are. It means that you can do and undo. If you don't preach the word to the lost souls, the Bible says that the lost soul will be lost, yet the blood will be requested from you. Have you thought of that? It means that every human being on this earth, for him to become, to have access into the kingdom, lies on you. The key is in your hand. If you know that the key is in your hand, then wave your hand. That is where, why you shouldn't relent until you see your friends, your wife, your children safe. At least. If you can go out to all the chronics of the world to preach, be determined that my son should be safe. My wife should be safe. My husband should be safe. Hello. Because that authority is given unto you. That is to reconcile the whole earth to himself. A people for his possession. It means that we don't have any power over our life. The one who possesses our life is God. Hallelujah. You can't do things anyhow. You can't live your life anyhow. 
There is somebody who has authority over your life. He can decide to kill you or let you leave. I said this somewhere some time ago, and someone said, hey, pastor, this is too strong. God is merciful. He can't kill. <laughs> if he could kill his son Jesus, then who am I? He possesses our life. Everything you have is in his possession. All your money you have, God can decide to blow it off today. Just a second. All the position you have, God can just blow his nostrils and all will be gone. He possesses everything. He has authority over us, though he has given us power. So we must be careful what we do with our life. We must be careful how we live our life on earth. If you know that it's God who possesses your life, oh, you surrender your all unto him as a church. And it's time for us to begin to surrender our all to him. Hallelujah. And he did all this so that we may proclaim the praise of, one, of the one who called us out of darkness. The purpose he owns us. The purpose why he called us into this nation called his is to proclaim him. So from today, as you go to your office, begin to proclaim. If you cease to proclaim the word of God to the lost souls, then you don't know the reason why you've been called as a church. Proclaim the word wherever you go. Even if they will beat you, proclaim it. After all, Paul, Peter, and the rest were all killed for proclaiming the word, the word of God. But I believe now they are rejoicing somewhere. So preach the word in season and out of season. How was the church established? The church of God was established by the blood of Jesus. Jesus used his blood to establish his church. If you read Acts chapter 20 verse 28b, it says that for he purchased the church with his own blood, not with the blood of animals as it is done some time ago. But he purchased us with his own blood, that precious blood, that uncontaminated uh, blood. That was the blood that Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary. He went through all the pains so that he can purchase us from the domineering of sin, from the domineering of Satan. So no power has authority over you anymore. Sin has no dominion over you as the church. Satan has no dominion over you as a church. So if I see a Christian with a little thing, then he's afraid. Why the witches are coming? I laugh at that person. You don't know the power that you have. God has purchased you through his son, Jesus Christ. The blood that was shed has redeemed you from their authority and their influence. So they have no power over you. So don't let anybody tell you that the dream that I, you had is of the devil. No, the devil don't have any foothold in your life. You rather have authority over him. Hallelujah. We've been given authority to do what? To trample over the scorpions and the snakes 
And what have you? And all satanic works, and by no means they cannot do what? Harm us. We rather have the authority. The authority is not in the hand of Satan. The way you think, about, that's what the Bible says, that as man thinketh, that's how he is. If you believe that witches can kill you, they will kill you in no time. But if you begin to believe that I've been purchased from that family, the very moment I accepted Christ and began living the Christian journey, it is then that my umbilical cord to my family spiritually was cut off. So any influence in that family has no part in my life. Hallelujah. So if the family is filled with death, premature death and the rest, I have life because I have Christ in me. Hallelujah. If in the family, ladies are there and they are not getting husbands to marry, it's minus me. The blood of Jesus has purchased me from that dominion and power and has brought me into royalty, has brought me into priesthood. That is what I am. I'm not those things. So they can face the consequences of their sins. So I've been praying for them that they should be saved. But I will not face it. Why? I've been purchased. If you know you are purchased, say hallelujah. Romans chapter 5 verse 9 also says that, for we are justified by his blood. We'll be justified. We've been made right with God. So don't let anybody print into your mind that you are not right. No. I am right. I have right standing with God. My justification didn't come because I'm righteous, I'm this. It came because of the blood. So church, we have been justified with God because of the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary. Hallelujah. And the Bible also said in Ephesians chapter 7, it said that what? We've been redeemed through the blood. We've been redeemed through that precious blood. And the second aspect also is that through the living word of God, the church is established through the living word of God. The very word that I preach to you, the very word that all pastors are preaching to you, the elders are preaching to you. The Bible says what we have been what established by that word. If you read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he said, Having born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. We've been purchased not with incorruptible seed. Not with corruptible seeds, but what? With incorruptible, which is the word of God that abides forever. And it is that word that is in you. It is that word that gave birth to the church. Jesus Christ, the word. Hallelujah. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So anybody who accepts the word 
accept Jesus into his life. When you accept Jesus, you accept life. You have accepted an incorruptible word that will make you abide forever. The church will abide forever. Though we will transcend, as we are in transition from this earth, but one day when Jesus shall come, I will see you, you will see me. Because the word abides forever. Everything we see on earth shall pass away. But the Bible says that his word shall never pass. So if you have the word in you, you will also not pass away. I will not pass away. You will not pass away. Even after death, I will still live. Hello? If this body, this pungent body, eh? last time a lady really spoke, and if you see how she's shining, and I told her, lady, don't waste too much time on this body. And she went to her and I said, oh, you just take some little saliva and begin to smell it and see how it is. She just heard the nose. And I said, yes, that is the reality of you. So if you allow the body to push you in doing something, sister, brother, you are missing the target. But there is something inside you. There is a body inside you. That body is not seen by the naked eyes of men. That body will never die. That body will live on. And the Bible tells us plainly that in a twinkling of an eye, we shall change. We shall possess this body where we will go and be with the Lord. So we have incorruptible word inside us. And that lives forever. First Peter chapter 1 verse 2. Then four to five, coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. By our acceptance of the word and we coming to Jesus who is the living stone. He died on the third day he resurrected and is now seated at the right hand of God interceding for us. By us coming to him and having his word in us and he in us we have now become a living stone. You are not happy about that. I am a living stone. You are also a living stone. I've not seen a stone that is living before, but thank God for once, God has created a living stone out of dead stones. And those living stones is the church. You are not an ordinary person. 
You are a unique entity on this earth. A living stone. You are filled with the life of God. Wherever you go, know that you have the life of God in you. In your workplace, know that you are a living stone. In your family, know that you are a living stone. And as living stone, you are expected to impart others' dead stones with your life. So that they can also become living stones. Hallelujah. Where there is death, when you get there, there should be life. Even in your work, if your finances is dwindling, as if it's going up, it's coming down. I want to tell you that you are a living stone. Every living thing produces, isn't it? It's expected of every living thing to do what? To prosper. To produce its kind. To be fruitful in whatever he does. I pray that you become that living stone that God has intended for your life. That whatever you do, there will be life in it. Hallelujah. You will be a living stone producing living things. All other living things on earth will die. There is corrupt, corruptibility in every living thing. But thank God, you are of a different kind. You are a living stone without corruptibility. You don't have it in your life. It's not part of your system. It's not part of your DNA. You are a living stone. And the reason why you became a living stone is that God is using us gradually to build a church of his own, to build a house of his own where he will dwell. So last, I was saying that it's not this temple we see. But you are the temple of God. As we come to church, we have created a room for God to reside. So we are the joy of God. Always when the church of God meets, that is when God also rejoices. Hallelujah. The Bible says God abode, abide in the praises of the saints. Whenever we meet, oh, he comes in to also show off himself as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, Jesus Christ. He comes within us with his anointing, with his power, with his healing to show forth himself because his church, living stones that have allowed himself built up into a temple for himself have guarded. So as we are here, Jesus is here. Hallelujah. Jesus is right here with us. I will end soon. Then we continue another time. Hallelujah. So we are all living stone, acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. We are living stone, acceptable. I've been accepted. The angelic hosts accept me. Whether you like it or not, I've been accepted. Whether I like it or not, you have been accepted. Hallelujah. And let everybody hate you. You've been accepted. You are a living stone accepted by God. And because God accepts you, your pastor accepts you. Everybody who is also called 
to be a living stone accepts you. I pray that Jehovah God will open our understanding so that we will know the reality of our state and begin to take charge over the world. As our current chairman said, take charge over our families, take charge over our corporate world, take charge over everything we see around. May Jehovah God bless you. We'll continue next week.